Hello. Welcome to Quadrivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of the people who craft it. I'm Jason with Liquid Courage Entertainment based out of Chicago, and today I am joined by not one, not two, but three brand new guest voices. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one wherein I feel like I talk to myself a little bit and nobody gets the inside jokes. But first, let's introduce our special guests. Uh, let's bring in first and foremost, I'm just going to go in alphabetical order because I love all my children equally. Uh, let's bring in from Trivial Warfare Blitz and from Questionable Company, uh, Mr. Tim Edwards. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Glad to be here, Jason, uh, to talk about some trivia, to play some trivia and uh, hang out with these guys. Yeah, I'm really glad to, to hang out with these guys, too, and I'm glad that you're amenable to it, because I'm also going to introduce, from Gentleman Octopus Trivia and Events, uh, it is the one, the only, McKinney Sizemore. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, really excited to be a part of this, talking trivia with all of you, because I typically talk trivia either with myself or my brother all night long, so it's a pretty natural environment right here. I'm glad you feel that way. And then lastly, uh, courtesy of See You At Trivia, which is both on the nose and very, very creative as a brand name. Uh, guys, help me welcome Chuck Yu into the conversation. Chuck, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Jason. Um, yeah, I'm excited to be here and uh, talk about what I've been doing all pandemic long. Chuck, what have you been doing all pandemic long? There's one answer and you announced it publicly yesterday. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for that lead in. Um, we are expecting our first child in June. So uh, that is uh, that's some exciting news. Congrats. Congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. That is awesome. Uh, on behalf of those of us who have kids, I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're not very good trivia teammates. I'll tell you that much. You know, not, you think not, that not for another like 10, 12, 15 years. There you go. Eventually they will be. Yeah, I have a 14-year-old son, and anytime I'm playing an online game and like uh, anime content comes up, I just yell, "Chris, get over here! This question's for you!" And it's <laughs> it's something I know because I I learned <laughs> what he knows just kind of osmotically because he's a weeb and constantly around with his his bleaches and his one pieces and two punch man, and I'm just triggering <laughs> him by getting these names wrong now. Uh, but it's okay; he never listens to the podcast. So I feel like uh, just being. <laughs> Just being in a position where I had to bring three guests in very rapidly, I haven't given you guys an opportunity to kind of breathe and and tell the world who you are for those of you who don't know. So let's start with Tim. Do you want to take a minute and just uh, explain who Tim Edwards is in the, the quizzing macrosphere? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so back in 2015, I started hosting uh, my own trivia gig here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, and grew it over the years, uh, partnered up with Cheyenne Fletcher, who a lot of you know, and has been on the pod, I believe. And, he has. Uh, yeah. He was on like episode 10 or so, somewhere around there. Good guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's all right. And, uh, <laughs> uh, did trivia mostly around, uh, the Tulsa area. We had, uh, some times where we were in Oklahoma city, Salt Lake city and Northwest Arkansas. Um, and then also earlier this year, we started recording and producing uh, Trivial Warfare Blitz, the podcast, and um, have been doing that. So uh, that's where I'm at. We're currently, we have not been hosting any live trivia uh, mm -hmm. since March. Um, we made the decision to, uh, we didn't, we just, we felt like trivia in a bar was 
a particularly good way to spread a virus um, and <laughs> just decided we didn't want to be a part of that. I mean, it's and, not as good uh, as karaoke, but I get what you're saying for sure. Right, right, right. Uh, my joke my joke was uh, trivia and orgies are both uh, probably the worst things, and orgies might have some more protection than trivia. <laughs> but um, uh, so... So we've been kind of uh, in a holding pattern, and I, I'm not sure what the spring will hold, but uh, we shall see. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for you and and the fine folks over at Questionable Company for sure. Uh, mostly because if you can get back to work, maybe I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. how, yeah. How about you, McKinney? Do you want to take a minute and tell the world who you might be? Yeah. Uh, so my name is McKinney Sizemore. Um, I've been a contestant on Jeopardy and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And uh, along with my brother, TJ, I created a Gentleman Octopus Trivia and Events. And that's a company of ours that's existed in a certain form for about three, three and a half years at this point. But um, because of certain events in 2020, we made the long discussed digital leap and um, haven't looked back ever since. So what uh, when you say that you kind of existed in a format pre-2020, uh, just out of curiosity, mm-hmm. what kind of format was that? Were you doing like live pub quizzes or were you doing more like play by email stuff? Yeah, we were definitely doing live pub quizzes. Um, we, we do kind of want to get into the play by email and all the other different kinds of aspects of um, delivery when it comes to getting our questions out there. But before that, we were Stone Age, man. It was just straight up the traditional way. Um, we used to operate at a bar called World of Beer. And uh, probably wrote 2,000 questions <laughs> during that time. So you got a, a pretty strong well of material to uh, draw from whenever we're running low on inspiration, which um, hasn't been happening a whole lot. There's so much going on, and there are so many different excellent inputs that come from our players regarding the kind of questions that they like, the kind of questions that they don't like, and all of that that's really kept us on our toes and kept us learning more and more. So. It's been a pretty great experience being online and um, now hooking up with multi-streams and trying to get familiar with the hardware aspect of things, the tech aspect of things, versus just the being competent enough to put it out each week. Yeah, it's absolutely a learning curve. And can I just say real quick before I forget, I want to compliment you and your brother TJ. I have popped my head into your games on more than one occasion, and fuck. (laughs) (laughs) these questions that you write are 10 steps above my pay grade and i fancy myself a fair to middling trivia player in all honesty i i think the word fuck is basically the review we get from about half of our um client base so i think we're doing something right if we're at that 50 percent fuck margin i think that's our new little metric for how we're performing look man as long as people come back and they enjoy it you're doing something Mm -hmm. right for sure uh chuck how about you who you be uh yeah so i guess i've been hosting trivia for a quite a while uh i want to say oh man probably seven or eight years ago um i i reached out to a local company and you know just to to ask if they needed a host and they and they did so um you know i hosted a bar for maybe four or five years before they closed down um nothing to do with the pandemic they just decided to rebrand and then didn't have us back um oof okay but uh i mean i've all yeah i always i've always enjoyed hosting and um you know and you know doing the occasional bit of writing but uh you know once once pandemic started we couldn't you know see each other anymore so um few few friends started to kind of just take turns hosting trivia over zoom for you know every every week or so and uh that's kind of how i started you know really writing a lot more and that's actually it's helped my play a lot too i just had my best uh learned league season 
uh, including a couple of questions that I had written pretty much verbatim. Um, <laughs> I love don't when you, that Don't you love that? Oh, don't you love that? I, I do, and you know that the writing is working when you start missing questions that you have written verbatim as well. <laughs> right, oh, yeah. Nothing exactly. pisses me off more when I'm doing Learner League than looking back and saying, crap, I wrote this question. I wrote it the other way around. What the hell was the answer? And then right. putting in a... It happened on the, the Golden Gate question. I wrote it as a douchey trick question like nine months ago. I was asking for the name of the straight, the Golden Gate Bridge uh, crosses. And for the life of me, I forgot that it was a douchey trick question. So I, I called it like the San Jacinto straight or something. And then I saw the answer and I was pissed. All right, well, you got you got me beat on that one because the one that I missed was Octavia Butler, um, and I had been you yes. know, I, I was I, I wrote that question using like I mentioned just about every fact that Thorsten did, and then I couldn't pull the name out of my uh, out of my brain. But but yeah, I've I mean it's cr- it's crazy how often that happens though, mm-hmm. right? That that you work on a question and then you have something similar to that within like a week or two in a competition, like like it's. It, it always seems um, to happen more often than statistics should dictate it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you th- yeah, Baderbeinhoff is real. Actually, uh, that's a sneak preview of the round I'm going to give you guys tonight, by the way. It's inspired by the <laughs> oh, first good. round of trivia I ever played. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's, for, that's for a little later. See, it's either the Baderbeinhoff effect or it's the fact that we all know that there are only 12 facts that we're just constantly recycling and throwing through our own voices, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Also yeah. True. <laughs> Blessing of unicorns. Anybody sick of that? chestnut at this point (laughs) so while i have you gentlemen here on the podcast and uh since it came up a lot in the introductions uh it feels like a pretty natural way to transition into our roundtable topic and since this episode is going to be released the first week of 2021 thank god (laughs) i think it's time to take a look back at 2020 and what the last year was not just in the world of pub quizzes in general uh or quizzing or trivia whatever term you want to put on it but um, how 2020 affected you as a writer and as a host moving forward. So I guess, uh, to kind of guess in the conversation, let's talk about the macroscopics. How, in your estimations, from your experience, how do you guys think that trivia as a concept has kind of changed as a result of everything that happened in 2020? Well, um, I think that it, it's become far more accessible. Um, it's one of those things that I believe so many people, including myself, discovered you don't need a whole lot in order to get yourself started. You basically just need an idea. You need the, um, the dedication and the hard work to keep yourself honest and to produce each week. And um, you need to find your audience pool. But obviously you can grow that and you can expand that. I think the big thing about trivia in 2020 is we discovered that there are so many more options than just the ones that you discover when you put your foot to the pavement and, you know, just happen upon a trivia night or even go to the same one every single week. Yeah, um, I I thought I was in a pretty big trivia market here in the Chicago area. Uh, (laughs) I I knew most of my competitors well and some of the national brands. And then 2020 hit and I had to move everything online. And Christ, there's a bunch of you. Yeah, right. right. I remember being with um, my friends in college who are much more pickier about trivia than I am. I'm just happy to get questions. I'm always happy to get questions. But I remember sometimes them wanting to walk out after a round or two. And you don't get to discover that it's going to be one of those kind of nights until you're a round or two into it. And then you got to sell your tab. You got to leave. It's it's a whole big thing. With the online trivia world and with the sort of mid-2020 trivia world, you have a plethora of options. You know beforehand from reviews, 
um, from even if they have a certain theme, what you're getting into. And it's so much easier to figure out, is this a good stream? Is this not a good stream? And because of the fact that there is so much competition, like Jason mentioned, the cream is really rising to the top, in my estimation. No, I tend to agree yeah. with you on that. Um, I've noticed, and obviously I'm, I'm more hooked into some of the online spaces than I think a lot of other hosts are in general, not necessarily mm -hmm. you guys, but... Uh, as I've positioned myself to be this weird ass nexus of the quizzing world in, in a certain way, uh, <laughs> I've noticed that that while some streams, uh, their patronage tends to stay pretty static. Uh, and in general, I think our our patronage in general has kind of dwindled a little bit uh, from the start of the year towards the end. Just, you know, burnout rates and, and things opening back up to a certain level and everything. Mm -hmm. It's all perfectly understandable. But the, the point I'm ultimately trying to get to is that. Fuck, what was the point I was trying to get to? Macroscopy. Yeah. Uh, the point I was trying to get to <laughs> is, yeah, the, the streams and the hosts and the formats that tend to draw people and retain people are the ones that you're still seeing plugging in there, you know, week after week, month after month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think I think a big thing that 2020 is going to change, and, and McKinney talked about uh, being like a Stone Age uh trivia company you know i think the fact that a lot of these companies now know how to do like google forms and that there are some other uh apps like triv now and that kind of thing that are mm -hmm. out there that are making you know just the, the the nuts and bolts of it uh the submission of answers and the grading of of answers that could even you know th those things can even work in the live trivia model where you have a host mm -hmm. in a bar reading questions, you know, that's going to be different. You know, I hope I never have to use a paper cutter to cut <laughs> little answer slips ever again. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's a good thing. Um, and, uh, so th that's definitely, I think going to be changed and in, in, in different going forward. And I think, you know, before, as far as I know, before March, of 2020 i knew of no online streaming game like mm -hmm. I, I i'd never heard of it. it it like it seemed like a niche that like if you'd asked me about it i'd be like yeah there's probably a market for it but you know what we would have um, said in 2019 when somebody came to us and said hey there's this awesome online like real-time trivia game that you can just hop onto like youtube or facebook or, or twitch and play we would have said i think to a person well how do you stop them from cheating yeah Right. And right. now nine months into this global pandemic, the answer, by the way, is we don't know and we don't care anymore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, like um, uh, you just have to accept that it's going to be it, it, it's going to be there and you get on with it. Right. I mean, that's you, all you, you can do. do. Yeah, you, you can't do. do anything else. I mean, I'm pretty sure, Jason, you were part of this group message. But I mean, like in the first months when online trivia was really a thing, we were constantly, you know, just relaying information back and forth with each mm -hmm. other. Of, well, who do you think is is supplementing their knowledge here? Or I asked this question, which nobody should ever get. And I think that they're they're doing this thing. But now you're right. It's it's something we, we don't care about nearly as much, because I think even the people who used to cheat, first of all, we know who they are and they don't get invited back. Right. And right. second of all, I think they just realized there's nothing to be gained. I mean, there's there's no monetary prize. There's no physical prize. There's really no esteem attached to it either. 
I, I right. don't get those motivations whatsoever. That, that actually makes me wonder about moving forward in 2021 as those of us who, you know, kind of cut our teeth in live venue uh, trivia hosting. We haven't provided prizes of any real tangible value, I assume, mm-hmm. in so long that mm-hmm. the players are used to, oh, you play for the fun of it. And in one way, that means you're attracting kind of the best caliber and quality of player. Uh, mm-hmm. But on the other hand, like, do we go back to giving prizes? Definitely if we open back up in bars. I mean, that's the whole attraction is getting your beers paid for, getting your appetizer paid for. That's a big deal. I, I've always been a fan yeah. of that. I've got a, a wallet full of free buffalo wings and stuff, <laughs> you know. That's, that's that's always been a great thing. But I agree that we're attracting, like, the purer, I suppose, might be the word. The, the players who just come here for the fun of it. And the players who are just that good that they'll take questions wherever they can get them. And they don't mm-hmm. care what prize or anything's attached to it. So I do like that aspect of being online. I'm picturing well, right and, now, like these former Jeopardy champions tying on like a rubber hose and just saying, give it to me. I need it. I need it. <laughs> that's that's another thing, too, when it comes to cheating is if you beat some of these teams, everybody in the trivia community more or less knows who each other really is. You know, right. we've seen some of these people perform. We know how good they are. If mm-hmm. You're a team that came out of nowhere and we recognize nobody on your team and you're beating a team of Brad Rutter, Pam Mueller, Cliff, Allen, <laughs> all those guys. We're like, OK, yeah, sure. I mean, it's obvious. It's obvious. Yeah. Well, and I, I also that that I, I think you you get at a bit of what I found when we were doing live streaming is that there's definitely a difference between the live streaming audience and the in-bar audience, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I, it's different enough that I felt like we needed to write a little bit differently to the uh, to the two audiences. We weren't ever doing mm-hmm. it at the same time, but like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you the online trivia streaming audience is typically a more dedicated fan who's going to be generally better at trivia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you, you have to keep that in mind. Whereas when you're at the bar, you've got to take into account that some of these people have stumbled into the bar mm-hmm. on a random night and happened to be there. And they're like, yeah, sure, I'll play trivia. I've never done it before. Or, you know, I've done it before, but not. I'm not real serious about it. And you want to hook them. And you can't hook them with a bunch of, really esoteric hard questions absolutely um, and absolutely. so it's it, it it's they're two very different audiences and and i and you have to definitely cater to them and you know neither it, it's not a good or bad thing it's not a moral judgment it's just no you know that's the way it is and mm-hmm. and if you want to succeed in one you gotta you gotta cater to your audience that's mm-hmm. a, yeah that brings I, up I, a good question in general uh charles go ahead i think you're gonna say something yeah. Yeah, so I I definitely agree with that. Like when I was when I was hosting a bar, definitely like when I would play through the packet before, you know, I wasn't doing my own writing at the time for the most part, but like I would go through the packet and you know I would get almost every question in in there right. But then you know now that I'm you know now now doing my own writing, I can you know I have a I guess I have an audience that that you know is more of the enthusiast type. You know they're they're more the you know they you know they play learned league. They you know they they they're regulars at at the bar. They they get you know they they regularly win the gift certificates and mm. you know i can i can definitely write a little bit harder of a question and not feel like i'm losing people from it yeah that brings up a the, the question that i was going to kind of segue us to have you 
in 2020, as you've kind of found yourself more and more engrossed by the players who are, for lack of a better word, more diehard than the casual players that you tend to find in a bar environment, do you find you are curving your difficulty uh, and get rates to kind of cater to that? Have you found that that's changed either intentionally or just kind of naturally through the process of seeing, hey, you know, a bunch of people got a bunch of questions right last week. Maybe I should write better questions or harder questions. Uh, <laughs> is, is that a thing that you've experienced or that you think has happened uh, in your sets? Absolutely. Yes. Um, I actually, uh, I, I keep track of, um, I keep track of, you know, basically what my get rates are every week. And, you know, I try to, I try to, you know, aim between like 60, maybe 70%. Um, if I, if I go a little below that, it's fine. But, um, you know, when I was doing live in a bar, there was just so much going on that it was a lot harder to do that. Like I, I saw what the scores were, but I couldn't couldn't tell if it was because there was you know a bunch of hard questions or if or if it was just kind of you know kind of a and set right. So, um, but yeah, I can I, I've I've gotten a lot better at figuring out what's going to play hard and what's gonna uh, what's not going to at this point. Um, although you know sometimes sometimes I still miss the mark on that um yeah like last night i asked a question about uh luxembourg and i i get i made it one of the supposedly easy questions and then you know only one team got it right so oh wow um but but yeah it, it's it's i think i think yeah i think it's gotten easier to grade now that i've um or easy to easier to i guess adjust my own difficulty just kind of partly through experience but partly just because um you know running my own show i can kind of kind of collect the collect all the stats that I need to, you know, mm -hmm. you, right. you have access to that information and whether or not you're doing it intentionally, I feel like it's going to inform you as a writer. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, my, my maxim has always been, and, and, you know, this, this is, there are corollaries to this, but the two worst kind of questions are ones that everybody gets right. And ones that everybody gets wrong. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. you gotta, you get, you gotta fill it in, uh, and, and find the, the, the sweet spot there because you know um the the balance is the hardest part in my opinion and making sure that and by balance i mean you know making sure that a game is accessible to a newbie but challenging enough for a trivia regular or diehard um is the hardest part of writing a trivia game whether that's for the bar or for the uh, stream and um, I really feel like getting it right is is where your success lies. I wanna I wanna bounce something off you guys on this actually on the on, yeah, kind of sure. on that topic. So like when you're in a bar, right? You're you're reading a question out on the mic, and you know you have you you gotta finish reading the question in like you know five ten seconds, right? It's not, it can't be like a paragraph long question, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, but like in the online format, like I can show a slideshow on the screen and people can read the question. I can show the, I can show another slide at the end with all the questions on it, you know? So basically like, I feel like as a writer, I've been able to, um, I've been able to even make the hard questions. Like I've been able to give multiple ends to it, you know, even without like losing the audience on the question. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I kind of get what you're saying. I think I've, for my own mileage, I have, I have this thing that I've always had uh, as a writer when I did my live shows where I hate a two sentence question. It's a real personal thing. It's not a judgment call. I just, if I can't phrase both the fact and the hints and the ask into like a single grammatical sentence, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Uh, also, I love semicolons and that gives me an excuse to just throw them in all over <laughs> the damn place. Um, that said, now that I've made the transition to, to online where I know that everybody has the, the, 
text of the question in front of them. And I don't feel like I have to fight over bar small talk over, you know, a microphone system so everybody can hear me clearly worry mm-hmm. about sight lines to a, a display screen or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's opened me up in just grammatical senses about how I'm writing stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I do definitely think I'm writing longer and thicker questions essentially on average. Oh, agreed. Um, in, agreed. Yeah. Uh, presenta- uh, thank you. Uh, presentation has certainly been a, a thing that's changed with 2020 and with this now being sort of a primarily online trivia world, or rather there being this online trivia universe. I agree that uh, a more than one sentence question is something I often regard as, you know, a failure on my part. But the fact that I can now show a slide I can have that slide come up again during a recap, and then I can also show that slide during like a little submission timer. Everybody, by the end of it, is virtually sick of the question. I mean, you see it four times before you get the answer. So I no longer feel like we have that same kind of danger of someone misunderstanding or needing a recapitulation of the question. Um, so I really like that aspect of it. I also like the fact that we can throw in some media too. Should we talk a little bit about the state of like audio visual trivia here in 2020, especially in the online context. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a big part of what we do with, um, with my company. So I'm always willing to talk about that. Okay. I don't do audio visual questions. I'm, I'm uh, yeah, weirdly I'm, I'm a troglodyte happy, I'm, in that I'm regard. To, yeah, no, no uh, us too. Like, like to me, um, we have a hard enough time when we were in different bars, like figuring out just the audio side of things. Mm-hmm. And, and being able to, you know, broadcast through a PA in the bar. Yes, um, yes, that, absolutely. Because like, like I don't know, if, 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 if somebody's ever been to like a restaurant, like a sports bar, where they've got 15 televisions mm-hmm. and, and a sound system, everything, they take you back to this cabinet where they run mm-hmm. uh, a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And... You know, by by the time you get there, the person who was originally there that opened the store that knew how to how to operate that is gone. They ha- kind of have a, a system where they can switch the televisions and the sound, but they have no idea how to add a microphone or your music feed or anything yes. like that because they're they're not intuitive systems and they're complicated, and you could screw something up. And so for me, just getting us able to play some music and, and, uh, get a mic over the system was a lot of work trying to get visual stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, on there. And sometimes even just like our own music or audio was a real heavy lift. Mm -hmm. Um, so it had, we never even worried about that. We just read questions and, and did that. So being able to add add media to the streaming was a lot of fun. Um, and I, I wish we could find more ways to do that when and if we're back in the bars. Yeah, Same. I've... I've definitely had to. Uh, I've definitely had to host a two-hour trivia night just projecting my voice before. Uh, that wasn't that wasn't very fun. Uh, to to your point, Tim. Um, I will say one thing that uh, one thing that I've kind of appreciated about the online format is actually that um, I am not as, I'm not restricted by an eight and a half by eleven piece of paper anymore. Like when it comes to like right. picture rounds and stuff like that. Oh, so good point. like yeah, you know, and, and and also I'm not restricted by the quality of my printer. Um, <laughs> 
Like so, I, yeah. I can I can you know I can easily just drop a link to like a to like a you know to a Google slide or a PDF file with the with the pictures yeah. in it, and then people can you know look and zoom in and color you know however they want. That's kind of some something that's been uh, been kind of nice actually. Uh, totally, and like and and for us and, and Jason, this is probably the same similar for you. Uh, like like Chuck and McKinney, I don't know how many how many uh, different locations you're at but like i would look at if i if i wouldn't play geeks who drink i would look at their booklet Mm -hmm. and it would give me a heart attack thinking of how much they must have spent and how much how much work they had to do to get sponsors to pay for all of that paper and imagery (laughs) and stuff like that um it starts to get logistically very complicated if you're in multiple places getting mm-hmm. even an eight eight and a half by 11 sheet of visual stuff so we did ju- we just didn't even mess with it because it was it was too expensive too much too hard and not worth it see my my route was actually a little bit different in doing live quizzing i uh built you know about 10 years ago a software solution that's not dissimilar to something like a crowd per or a trib now uh, except the mm-hmm. host had all the control for input and everything so there was a keyboard that the host would walk around a wireless keyboard and would input like character codes for each team which was individually numbered to, to mark correctness or whatnot teams oh, would nice. have a whiteboard and marker so I never fortunately had to worry about paper cutting or those costs. Uh, and I had the really genius idea to invest in refillable dry erase markers somewhere around February of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> refillable yeah. dry so erase. I have that's like a hundred refillable dry erase markers that I have not touched in nine months. Yeah. That was but, one of my, one of my proudest moments uh, pre pandemic was finding a an online source of golf pencils mm. like, like uh you could i could go to like staples or or office depot and i would pay like i think eight cents a pencil for just their like pack of little golf pencils that i'd hand out at trivia nights mm-hmm. i found an online one where basically what they did is they got um like misprinted or uh misprinted pencils from golf courses or like golf courses that had closed they got their pencils and mm-hmm. i got them for a penny a piece and i bought ten thousand of them and i was so excited about my penny a piece pencils and you haven't <laughs> used any all year <laughs> yeah. no better time to take up golf <laughs> right right but also also um there are golf little green golf pencils everywhere in my car in my house like they just they just go everywhere oh i could imagine uh to to put a pin on what i had brought up just to make sure we get back full circle to what we were talking about so i've never dealt with handouts because everything was electronic or like reusable in a whiteboard marker i've never printed out like a picture round which is part of the reason i never really did picture rounds and right in 2020 i because everything is uh, direct technologically controlled by me and I I can give the best possible feed to the users that I can through like my overlay software, my streaming software, etc. I find myself mm-hmm. wanting to do more picture and multimedia questions. I kind of don't know how. Like as a writer, I, I know like as a tech guru and as a host, how I can present them. I don't fucking know how to write a picture around. I've never had to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I never dealt with handouts either. And I think a majority of us probably haven't if we're either a personal company or a very small company because printing costs are a major thing. 
I mean, it was it was bad enough when I had to for our first few nights had to print out our own answer sheets before the uh, the bar started taking that up. But I can't imagine trying to to print color or even just black and white photographs for people and having enough of them and passing them all out. There was just too many complications with that. So the fact that right. we can now just cut that out entirely and show people a, a PowerPoint slide or a Google slide and be like, boom, there's your picture, full color, high quality, take a look at it. That part has been marvelous um, about this particular year in trivia. So here's a question I want to present to the three of you moving forward based on that. In 2021, do you think that the barrier of entry for a new host or company or writer is now higher than it was at the start of 2020 or lower than it was? I think it's kind of paradoxical. I think it's both. Um, I feel that it's lower to entry now because of the fact that people realize it doesn't take a whole lot. As I mentioned earlier, you just need to have the material questions um, and you need to have a reliable internet connection. That's pretty much all you need to get started. I know a bunch of people who are just doing trivia streams on their personal Facebook page under no company name and just going live whenever they feel like it and throwing up 20 or 30 questions. So I feel like the, the barrier to entry is so much lower in terms of getting started, but I mm -hmm. do feel like there are already some streams that have established themselves and have made themselves sort of irreplaceable at the top. Um, Liquid Courage definitely comes to mind as does Trivia Workshop. Um, places like that, in addition to obviously the big national chains, the, the geeks who drinks of the world. Mm -hmm. But I also think at the same time that it's going to be one of those things where bars especially are going to realize, as you said earlier, that this is something that can be done for a low cost and without a whole lot of investment in time or in money. And they're going to start pioneering other options. I also think that hosts who have been doing it online um, are going to just kind of get addicted to the fact that I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to lug any heavy equipment. I don't have to set up. I don't have to take an hour to set up, an hour to break down. I make basically the same money I would have made otherwise. Why wouldn't I do this? Or you are being an in-person You stream? are touching my soul in a very real way right now, McKinney. It's been nine months here in this studio in my basement. I don't know, one, that I remember how to do a live show effectively uh, to be that <laughs> MC, and two, that I, I want to. And it's it's a big struggle for me. Honestly, I, I love the commute, man. And yeah, I don't I mean, know that I, I live in the, the southwest suburbs of Chicago. A lot of my venues are, you know, six, seven suburbs over. So it's like a 30 to 45 minute drive for me to get to any of my bars. And mm -hmm. then I have to get there, like you said, early enough to set up and do all the FaceTime with everybody. I have to yep. to look at people's faces. I have to wear pants. Um, <laughs> and then you know it's a 30 to 45 minute drive home after breaking down and doing all the glad handing and then you know your your show ends at like 11 p.m you get home at like 12 30 in the morning and you you're coming off of work so you can't just go right to bed so you're up like perusing netflix at like three or four in the morning it's unhealthy and my life in general has just been better from a work yeah. perspective in 2020 like i'm sleeping mm -hmm. like a normal human now it's weird yeah. and I'm always comfortable. I've been wearing house slippers since March. I don't know that I want to go back to what trivia kind of was in a general sense in 2019. Once we hit 2021, I think we've hit like a tipping point culturally in what trivia is now. The first 100%. company I worked for um, before starting my own had me begin work at 10 p.m. and end at 1 a.m. And I would sometimes work six nights a week. So I totally get what you're saying about getting burned out on 
all the the greasy food because you'd be at like an Applebee's or a Chili's or something like that, and they'd give you a free appetizer or a free oh. burger. So oh, look eating... at McKinney over here pulling the big corporate market. <laughs> well. Uh... Like I said, I worked for a company. It's not like that was my own clout pulling in those contracts. But I mean, I once went for a physical and um, the doctor was asking me these questions. And essentially, I had to tell him, I don't know how to tell you this, but I eat Applebee's six nights a week. It's, uh, <laughs> it is not good. Um, so yeah. I, I guess I guess to to I, I sort of agree with McKinney in the sense that, yeah, it's definitely easier in the sense that um, the barrier, barrier of entry has gotten lower in the sense that it's so easy to to host one of these things, I don't do this full time. Like this has always been um, kind of just a thing I do on the side. Um, and uh, frankly, you know, twenty twenty has made it so I can actually do it. I don't have to do the commute. I don't have to, you know, what I, what it used to happen was on, uh, you know, a couple times a week I would get off work, I would, you know, go print off my print off my handouts and then go host the bar, set up, break mm-hmm. down, and get home like you know, eleven thirty, twelve o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, now when I, now when I host, I, you know, I get on my computer 15 minutes beforehand, set up my, set up my webcam, my microphone, you know, start the zoom call, you know, get people online, get the, get the answer sheet ready and, and we're, we're going and then, uh, breakdown takes two minutes, right? Mm-hmm. I can, I can stay, pretty, stay and hang out with my friends a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, it, as far as, as far as that goes, like, I think depending on what you're trying to do with this like it's i think it's it it can be harder in the sense that there's like you said there's so many established um there's so many established podcasts and uh and, and games going on um you know so like i said uh, since i don't since i don't do this full time you know i'm not trying to you know compete with you guys oh that's frank. fine we're all so, friends here yeah so 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 i think in the, in that sense like i think the one the pressure is kind of off of me but also um you know my my goals are fulfilled. I have you know I I write regularly and I I have a game with my friends and that's you know that's that's good enough for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a bit of a double edged sword you were saying because while yes we all suddenly uh, despite you know being in four very different places in the country find ourselves competing more directly against each other as you know business owners as hosts as writers than we would be in 2019. We're also we're in a much much larger pond than we would have been in 2019. Like Mm -hmm. in 2019, I was worried about the six or seven other companies in my local market and, you know, fighting for this bar or that restaurant. And now it's, I'm just going to put my stuff out in the world. And there are tens of thousands of people who might be interested in it. And some of them are going to stop in here. And if they don't, well, then they're going to be over on Mondays at McKinney's show on Facebook. And if they're not over there, they're going to be somewhere else doing something, you know, that I support personally and professionally. There's going to be a lot of reciprocity. I, I guess the point I'm trying to get to is the quizzing community, both from the player's perspective and the host's perspective, I don't think have ever felt more tight knit than they mm-hmm. have this year. Oh, I think mm-hmm. you're, I agree oh, with that hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. The, what, the one thing that 2020 has been absolutely good for, I feel like is the national international trivia community because you know, the, and I, I use scare quotes over tri- <laughs> like trivia community. You know, I mean, there's a group of people that nationwide that are super into trivia. And I feel like this year with all the streaming, we've gotten to interact with them a lot more. 
from both a hosting and a playing perspective. And I, I, I really think that that part of it has been really good and really exciting. And I love that. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I, in my opinion, a rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. You know, if, if one or two of us in the space are more successful than others uh, and one or two of us are, are pretty cool and friendly and, and not approaching doing this job as a competitive thing, a cutthroat thing. Um, I'm thrilled when I have a really good night because then I get to send everybody after my game somewhere else so that somebody else gets to have a really good night. And those people who are over there for their good night get to know about me. And it's just, it's so symbiotic really. If it's, if it's done correctly. So we talked kind of a lot about uh, a variety of things that have changed or grown or expanded or, you know, that have fallen to the wayside in 2020. Uh, do we, in and of ourselves feel like we've personally grown with, you know, the kind of questions that we ask now that we wouldn't necessarily have asked as often or as well in 2019. Chuck, I think you have some opinions on this. Yeah. So one of the things that, um, one of the things, like we've been talking about pandemic a lot and how that's changed things, but, uh, one of the things that, you know, 2020 has brought at least to my attention and, uh, is kind of the, the diversity of our questions and kind of what we're asking about in that way. Like, so, uh, kind of early on when I was writing, I realized that, you know, an awful lot of my questions were about white men and achievements by white men. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was kind of, um, you know, that, that was something that I, I, I think that I tried to change a little bit as, as, um, as the year went on, as the summer went on, you know, I tried to make sure, make sure that there was a little more uh, diversity in my, t in my subject matter. That was kind of something that ended up being very important. Um, I don't know, I don't know how mm -hmm. you guys felt about that. Trivia, I think has historically been uh, a bunch of old white guys asking questions about a bunch of old white guys. And, and, you know, for better or worse, it's just kind of the way it was, you know, a lot of, it, it, you know, you look at high school curriculums, it's, you know, dead white guys. And um, I, I have seen that too, Chuck, in that I, I really think there's been an effort uh, on the part of the trivia community writ large to uh, be more inclusive and intentional about being inclusive um, about the subjects and questions that, that we write. Because, you know, that's the thing. We're part of a... a, a a bigger thing than just us and mm -hmm. by highlighting some of those things uh, you know we ex it one it's good for business we're expanding our our audience and and being more inclusive of people but also it's just a, a reflection of reality which is ultimately what trivia is and mm -hmm. that there are not it's not just a bunch of uh dead white guys and and you know when when what we would try to do is the what i found was the the more I planned ahead and the more that I, that I, uh, worked on it, it was not hard to be inclusive, you know? Um, no. uh, and you just had to be intentional about it. Yeah. Intentional, I, I, I think is yeah. the word that I definitely want to use there because as writers, especially those of us have been doing this for a good long time, you, you fall into to ruts and traps and you ask about the same kind of stuff in history. You're probably going to talk about presidents or wars when, if you, at least have the gumption to look deeper. You could find more interesting questions and stuff that isn't, you know, just the same chestnuts that every host has asked, have asked about forever. And um, to, to that point, some of us definitely in the space feel that 
with the platform that we have comes an obligation to world better. And part 100%. of that world bettering is to, to shine a light in places that need and haven't historically or culturally had that light shown. Uh, yeah. I will say this. I am not the best at it, but I am trying very, very hard to get better at it. And I haven't talked to a trivia host in 2020 that I can recall that pushed back on the idea of not wanting, at the very least, to make a good faith effort to be more inclusive, uh, not just in the types of questions that they ask, but the types of audience that they attract. Right. right. Yeah, it, it has been a, a major theme of 2020, and it's it's a great theme. It's a great theme. We've always made an effort since we started our stream to be more inclusive and to be more intentional about our inclusivity, as um, you were saying, Tim and Jason. Uh, it, it's such an interesting fact that people sort of fall back on, like you said, the same old chestnuts, the same old styles of questions. I am sick of seeing a question on Africa that's either about a dictator or a genocide. Like, mm -hmm. Africa is a historically, geographically, geologically, um, animalogically just varied continent with hundreds and hundreds of cultures, each with their own mythos and history and tradition. And yet we always talk about Idi Amin and the Hutus and the Tutsis. I think there's much, much more that, that's on that bone than just asking about those same old questions. And I know for our part, we've made it a goal to be more intentional about our inclusivity, to reach just a little bit further on some of those questions. And following a couple of heated debates in the trivia community, which I'm sure you're all mm -hmm. aware of. Yeah. We yeah. made it. Yeah. Right. That, that's the reaction. Um, we made it our goal for at least one of our streams and probably not for the last because we're going to keep doing this to write an entire game where the answer not one time was a straight white male. I mean, right. it's it's important to provide all different perspectives. And like you said, Tim, it opens you up to bringing in a, a wider clientele. And like you said, Jason, there's no reason for there to be any pushback on that. I've not encountered any pushback from any well-meaning person regarding that kind of effort it costs nothing and it means a hell of a lot exactly yeah. and at the end of the day it's only going to make us better as writers because we're going to know more because we'll have gone mm -hmm. out of those comfort zones to learn more yeah, I, I agree exactly. and, and one of the i guess one of the things that you know it, it was it was definitely harder at first just because like I'm, I'm i come up i you know i come up with a topic or i see a topic and i'm like well people aren't really going to know this right but like that's kind of one of those well they should have heard of this you know this is something they should they should be hearing about and they should learn right. about Right. right. I mean, you can use your discretion, but you can decide when to either quiz someone or when to teach someone. And you can do both if you write about the right subject and if you write it in the right way. But there's there's yeah. nothing wrong with writing a question on something, as you said, Charles, that somebody should have already been exposed to and just using it as a moment to teach. Yeah, right. Like a backdoor question that gives that educational moment in something that you think, based on your players and what they know, feels like a fair game question in the difficulty rate that mm -hmm. you want it to be, and then mm -hmm. follow up on it a couple of weeks later and and not necessarily make it a throwback, but um, do something tangentially related and your players will realize, oh, you know what? He was he was leading me here to, to do more study on my own. Uh, and that's something I'm exactly. gonna have to be aware of. We're growing, we're evolving, and not just individually, not just as companies, but as a community. And if yeah. I wanted to put any word on 2020 in the quizzing world, it is community. There has never been, and I don't know that there will be another quantum leap in 
the the sociocultural connections that have formed in 2020 uh, and mm-hmm. hopefully beyond. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If if there if, if there is one, hopefully it's uh not because of a pandemic. Yeah, also, <laughs> let's not have a goddamn pandemic anymore. That'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> So with that said, uh, any last licks from our esteemed guests on 2020, the year that were? Uh, it can fuck you. right off. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly. The, the the sooner it's over, here, here. the better. Like, weirdly enough, personally, it's been a very good year. But um, no, just no. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and this, this is to say nothing. 2021 might be its its own uh, oh, no, match. don't, don't I, even, I, I, no, I, I no, I'm cutting know. you off right now. Do not, <laughs> do not bring those omens into my podcast. Don't be the guy that says it could always be worse. It could always be raining because we'll have well, more hurricanes. I'm not saying it could be worse. I'm just saying it could be its own variety of crap. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. I, th- I think we touched base pretty well on uh 2020, the year in review. I'm pretty happy with that topic. Should we move on to, uh, Kind of a fun thing that we do here on this podcast. I believe this will be a first time for all three of you, will it not? Ooh. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, first let's do it. I like fun. All right. Well, we'll see how fun this is. Uh, <laughs> gentlemen, it's time to get into our keyword challenge. And for the listeners at home who may not be familiar, and for the guests here who may not be willing to admit they're not familiar, I'm going to take a moment and walk through how this works. So we have uh, some amazing, amazing listeners who have suggested keywords, words, phrases, names that they wanted to challenge us uh, as panelists on this show uh, on the spot and in constrained time sense to write the single best trivia question we could based on that keyword. So we're going to hear that keyword in just a moment and who submitted it. And then we're going to take 10 minutes in real time, um, kind of off mic to individually come up with the best question we can and then come back collectively and present those for uh, answering, commentary, critique, criticism, bitches, mm-hmm. gripes, moans, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's fun, I promise. all right so for this week our keyword brought to you um by a name that means way more to me than it does you guys this is by jason kane in uh jokingly referred to as napier thrill illinois uh this week's keyword is hockey jersey so stick hockey jersey somewhere in the question stick it somewhere in your answer doesn't matter to me uh it doesn't have to be thematically about a hockey jersey if you don't want it to be as long as you can work that word in in a creative way um, trust me, you wouldn't be the first. Uh, and if you guys are ready, I think we're good to take that break. And for the listeners, we'll see you on the other side. Hey everyone, Jason here. While the host and I step away to think about our keyword challenge, we just wanted to remind you, you can check us out online at Quadrivia Pod on Twitter, on Facebook, just search for Quadrivia Podcast. And you can always email us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear from you. And now, back to the show. And listeners, we are back after taking exactly 10 minutes, no more, no less. Uh, the Whitmasters here at the Quadrivia Studios would not allow us to spend any different amount of time on these questions. And hopefully we have four that tickle your fancy. Uh, guests, are you okay if I go ahead and kick this off? Uh, I've got a little experience with this. Do it. <laughs> Go for it. 
So the keyword, once again, hockey jersey brought to us by Jason Kane out in Naperthrill, Illinois. Jason, uh, thank you so much for the submission and thank you for being among my 12 favorite Jasons in the world, uh, myself definitely <laughs> included. Um, since we were talking, we ended the roundtable discussion a little bit uh, on you know, growing and diversity, especially in 2020, I decided to to try to find a way to include that in this question, because I think we can all agree that at least uh, traditionally and dismissively, hockey is kind of an old white guy sport. Yep. Oh, 100%. It's getting better, but it's still, it's it's that kind of sport. Uh, so I decided to, to take this in a direction when I found a thing that I just, I couldn't not take it in that direction. So here's mine. Rapper Snoop Dogg was instrumental in bringing hockey jerseys into the mainstream fashion world, especially in hip-hop culture, when he wore a customized version of what successful NHL franchise's jersey in his video for Gin and Juice. Considering the East Coast-West Coast rivalry of the 90s, this team seemed an interesting choice for the California artist. Um, let's see, I, I think I know that one. Is that, uh, is it the Boston Bruins? It is absolutely not the Boston Bruins. Try again. I was thinking it was maybe like, is it the Red Wings? It is also not the Red Wings, unfortunately. Okay. Well, okay. Is it the New York Rangers? We are 0 for 3, but keep hitting oh. East Coast teams. You'll get there eventually. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, would it be the Pittsburgh Penguins? It would be the successful, especially at the time, ah. Pittsburgh penguins his jersey uh in the video and i had to look this up to verify uh during the break which is why it took a little longer i got to watch the video for gin and juice while you guys were feverishly working um, <laughs> in case you weren't sure what video it was and what year it was uh the jersey name was gin and juice and the jersey number was 94 <laughs> all right that's actually you everything you need yeah, to know right there. it's actually uh one of two jerseys that he wore in the video the other one was for an ahl team uh called the springfield indians no word on if they've changed their name yet <laughs> So that was my contribution. Um, you guys are professionals. Do you have Do you have any notes on it? So I, I think it's interesting that you did the, the two sentence thing after talking earlier about not being a two sentence kind of guy. Like, <laughs> man, do I love any question that can bring together hockey jerseys and hip hop, and it's it's totally one of those ones that clicks with you as soon as you get the answer because I feel like. Snoop has professed his love for the Steelers before. So, I mean, you get that that whole Pittsburgh vibe there. He loves the black and yellow. That's a great question. I like that. Yeah, nowadays yeah, he's more known as a fan of the Kings for geographical reasons. I couldn't find out why he had chosen Pittsburgh specifically. And it might just have to do with the color scheme, in all honesty. Mm. But if you guys remember the video, yes. do you remember like the first uh, opening 10 seconds? He's like riding on the front of a, bas uh, a, a bicycle, like Daisy Daisy style. <laughs> in that I jersey yeah that. i have not actually seen this video i have to i'm going to look it up now later it's been a <laughs> long time oh it is peak 90s hip-hop video culture it's great yes. yes yeah speaking of we just asked a question about hype williams last week so there's a name for you peak nice. 90s hip-hop culture there you go yeah it, that's the man peak late 90s mm -hmm. more money more problems oh yeah but this is the greatest job in the world when you get to as you said everybody else is hard at work you're over here watching the video for gin and juice and <laughs> bouncing to some Snoop Dogg. Yeah. This is yeah, the greatest that job video kind of yeah. brings new meaning right? to rolling down the street. Cause he's uh, like in a bicycle basket. It's hilarious. I loved it. <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, I, I feel like we pulled the meat from uh, my bone as it were. Chuck, you presented a question or prepped a question for presentation as well, right? I did. Um, I, I like Jersey numbers. So 
Uh, an NHL hockey jersey has the player's name and a one or a two-digit number on the back. What two numbers are not allowed to be worn for different reasons? I I am going to throw a guess out that all three of us know one of these answers. It's that second one I think is potentially going to trip us up. <laughs> would would uh, Tim and McKinney, would you guys agree with that? Probably, yeah. I think I've got uh, one I, in mind. I, I, I'm not even sure. Well, I'll take a little bit of lead on this. So uh, jersey number 99 is not allowed to be worn in the NHL. That was retired in honor of Wayne Gretzky. Okay. Uh, League-wide. It's one of the handful of jerseys in the four major pro sports that have been retired league-wide. The second mm-hmm. one I have a guess on, but it's not a great guess. Uh, and I think it has something to do with like double zero as opposed to like a single zero. Yeah. And I, I have no thunder that on that whatsoever. I was thinking single zero is probably not allowed i don't think i've seen a single zero ever before uh if i was on mckinney's team i would be like yes let's go with that i i think there's a different answer for different reasons but i don't know the different answer and i can't think of a different reason so um (laughs) you know timer's ticking down let's say let's say 99 and do you want to go single or double zero or do you think it matters i'm thinking single zero i i I I think it probably i like single zero yeah i'm good with that let's uh let's lock it in chuck how wrong were we (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, 99 is in fact retired league wide for Wayne Gretzky, and um, everywhere I've been, zero and zero and double zero are considered the same number. But it is zero or double zero because the hey. NHL cannot enter it into their database for some reason. Is that really <laughs> the reason? Oh, shit. That is okay. why. That's funny. Uh, That's Chuck, great. have you ever been to Vegas? Have I ever been to Vegas? Oh yes, I've, I used to go every year. Okay, then, yeah, definitely in Vegas, there's a big difference between zero and double zero. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> that difference cost me my house once. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's my game, too, is, is roulette. I mean, I'm not like a big bet or anything like that. I roll up when I'm bored, put $20 on either black or red, and then walk away with a double, typically. <laughs> <laughs> or walk away empty-handed. It's, it's really a binary. When double zero comes up, yes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> when double zero comes up, for sure. So with this question, um, the 99, I think, is is pretty chestnutty in terms of sports con. Uh, I will preface it with that. Uh, the, the zero and the double zero definitely makes this a very interesting question, especially when you explain the reason why. Uh, this is a reasonable uh, question, like in the sense that a team could reason it out. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have right. a lot of negative notes for it. I just those are things that I liked about it. Yeah, I, yeah. I think, um, like you said, 99 being retired is, I guess, a chestnut for SportsCon. Although, for my part, I've been watching hockey for a while, and I didn't actually realize that 99 was retired all the way across the board. I remember one of our goalies uh, for the Lightning having a high 90s number, and I thought maybe he was a 99. So that really tripped me up, knowing that that was fully retired. That was right. that was good. That definitely made me think about a, a bunch of different things in order to figure it we- out. With me, I, I was like, it, it's likely Gretzky is tied to this. I couldn't remember if his number was. I remember there was a lot of like uh, ink on his jersey, mm-hmm. whether it was ninety nine or eighty eight or double zero. <laughs> I knew it was something like that, um, uh, but I I didn't know for sure. But that's just because uh, I don't know hockey. Hockey's a, a not a great subject for me. You know, I think maybe my my geographical privilege was showing on this one coming from a massive hockey town in Chicago. Oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, like <laughs> we don't ask a whole lot of hockey questions in Oklahoma. Is there a hockey in Oklahoma, I guess, is the real question. Uh, there's some minor league hockey, yeah. And it's got a pretty 
devout following, but it's pretty small, and the NHL, I, I, I would not imagine, gets big ratings here. Okay. Um, I liked it. Do, do you guys have any other notes on it? I, I love the, the fact that it's because the NHL hasn't figured out how to zero entry database <laughs> things. Like as yeah, a guy no. who has had to do some programming and some data entry. Yeah. Oh, that's uh -huh. such an easily fixable, stupid uh, thing. I, I how love did they not, how it. do they not collapse with the Y2K? Huh? Like, like <laughs> how do they do that? See, the question becomes because it's the NHL and they're like 25% in Canada. Is that spelled Y2KEH? <laughs> <laughs> That's that's really the only reason I'm on this episode is for shitty puns, guys. You should know this by now if you have any familiarity. Uh, Tim, should we move on to you and yours? Uh, yeah. And let me just preface this by saying um, we don't ask a ton of hockey questions uh, typically, but we do ask some. And whenever I'm the one hosting the game, it seems like every time I ask a hockey question, uh, the answer is in some way on the screens in the bar in a hockey game. Like, like, <laughs> like, like I have some magical ability to, to pull the answer into the hockey game that's playing in the bar at that time. Oh, I have been uh, there. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. It's uncanny how often that has happened. Um, but uh, okay, here's my, so here's my question. Um, what word can be used for both of the following? And I, that, that opening needs maybe a little work, but uh, you guys can help me with that. Uh, one, someone who suffers from hyperhidrosis. Or two, the work uniform worn by Roy Bork and Steve Weiserman, among others. My soul hurts at the pronunciation of Weiserman. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and it hurts even more that I have to defend a Detroit goddamn Red Wing on this show. <laughs> <laughs> that's why really I, Iserman's got a bit of a special place for me he because did. of the fact that he was the guy who like founded the Tampa Bay Lightning down here. He was like our first big higher up. So that was oh crap, great. he was. He was like the GM, yeah. wasn't he? He was, or yeah, pre or president of operations or something. Yeah, he was. He was in One the front office. Yep. Mm. So right. I have I have a weird personal connection uh, on this question. I have this dead to rights for what it's worth. So I'll let uh, Chuck <laughs> and McKinney kind of reason it through. Yeah, I, yeah, I've got this one too. I think I think I have it. Yeah, someone who suffers from hyperhidrosis is someone who has an excess of perspiration. And uh, Roy Bork and Steve Eiserman, of course, are hockey players. They wear jerseys or sweaters, so it's sweater. Yeah, I should point out, by the way, that Jason Kane, a diehard hockey fan who submitted this, uh, should know better than to call it a hockey jersey in in general. They are sweaters, sir, and you know that. <laughs> right, right. And I, I've always loved that little nugget, especially, you know, um, in Oklahoma, that 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 that's maybe a, a harder question than it is in, in Chicagoland. But uh, I just love that. No, we don't play in jerseys. We play in sweaters. Like, that sounds so nice and warm. <laughs> And uh, I've always just loved that fact. And so as soon as I saw hockey jersey, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to sweater on this one. Yeah, you've got to um actually that one. And I'm glad that somebody did because it didn't ring a bell that that terminology felt weird until you wrote this question. Uh, <laughs> I won't I won't point out what my personal connection is. I'm not going to out a friend of mine who unfortunately suffers from hyperhidrosis. But that term has been thrown around in my life a lot over the last few years. And uh, uh -huh. some, some very iffy handshakes have been had in my life. <laughs> um, so as far as your wording, here's how I would do it. And again, this is just kind of off the cuff. If yeah. Roy Bork 
suffered from hyperhidrosis during his hockey game, you could say that he was a blank in a blank. Fill in the blank with yep. the same word. Oh, that's great. I love it. I love oh, it. I like that. That's yeah. cute. It, yeah. it's, it's succinct, yeah. too. It's nice and short. Yeah, I would massage that a little bit, obviously, but I, I want to definitely play into the visuals of somebody profusely sweating through their hockey gear. Yeah, that's that's, that's great. I love but it. But that's my kink, not yours. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like the I like that they're, you know, I always like questions with 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 two entries like this. Like if you don't know who if you don't right. know who the hockey players are when, I, you know, a bunch of people probably don't, you know, you could you could right. maybe suss it out with number one there. Mm-hmm. exactly that's 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 what i love doing too yeah it's a sports question for non-sports people and as we've learned mm-hmm. i think this year uh, as we've expanded our fan bases boy do people like sports questions that are for non-sports <laughs> people <laughs> right <laughs> uh mckinney do you want to put a pin on the keyword challenge and present yours yeah yeah let's do it all right so um to commemorate the Prague spring what check hockey great and second all-time leading NHL scorer, wore the number 68 while a member of teams such as the Washington Capitals, New York Rangers, and Pittsburgh Penguins. I think I, I know I, it. Yeah, I've got, I've got a oh, guess phew, I'm okay. pretty confident in. I thought this was going to be another one where my, my hockey con kind of reigned supreme over everybody. But yeah, I've got this uh, locked in as well. Yeah, it's it's got to be Yager, right? Yep, that is Yaramir Yager, yeah. for sure. One of the most interesting people in hockey i mean he's still playing not in the nhl but he's still playing he's got like 27 20 year career at this point yeah he's got to be like 50 years old at this point right mm-hmm. he's up there high high 40s yeah. low 50s he's he's got that gordie howe kind of career trajectory i remember i was when i was in fifth grade back in 1995 i had a classmate who was obsessed with the guy and he was on the penguins then so uh and like i, I was still hearing his name in the league like less than maybe five or six years ago yeah, I had the uh, privilege of watching. Remember uh, Mario Lemieux and his and his cancer. Uh, I, I don't want to say yeah. scare because he very much had it and then rebounded. But when he retired from the league and came back in like two thousand two, two thousand three, something like that, I had the privilege of being mm-hmm. at his first game back at the United Center in Chicago. Uh, it was real hard to boo the man. It was real easy to boo Yaramir Yager. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, Yager, the greatest mullet of all. Oh, that's classic. 90s. That's classic. Billy Ray Cyrus, sit down. Yarmir Yager <laughs> is the greatest mullet of all time in the 90s. Do they yeah, call that I mean, the Czech Tucky waterfall? <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. Uh, they, mean, they, if they didn't, they, they need to. As a I, Capitals I, fan, I'm supposed to hate him because he was a penguin. But I mean, he came over to us, so that's great. <laughs> he put a bunch of biscuits in the basket when he was a member of our team. So really hard to hate on somebody who's scoring for you like that. And he's just got like the most interesting fan base and some of the most interesting stories about his personal life or just, he's, he's a character. He's a total I character. Had, I had such the same feeling about Marion Hosa when he came to the Blackhawks in like 2008 oh, yeah. or so, because he had been a Red Wing his entire career. And then he was one of us and I wanted to hate him, but then we won three goddamn cups with them. And boy, I love me some Hosa. <laughs> Also, he mm-hmm. wore my number. Uh, whenever I do like sports video games, Madden or, or NHL, and I create a character, I always give them the number 81 because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Hosa was 81. Yep. Nice. So I, I do want to point out one thing on this question. It feels like a very McKinney question only in as much as you <laughs> threw or found the connection to the Prague Spring. 
Yes, yes, of course. Oh, oh my and, God. and that feels very Gentleman Octopus to me. Yeah, just a little bit of that academic flavor on top of your sports yeah. question. Like, basically, I, I thought you were just being nice to me personally by making it a Yager question. <laughs> I feel like you could have overthought it and, and, and started racking your brain for someone who is not a 90s, 2000s player and somebody back then, but if you're doing that, you probably aren't going to get it anyway. So now if you were um, going to write this for your, for your weekly game, McKinney, would you include uh, the team names in there? Cause I think there's enough meat on the bone. If you just kind of ended that question at number 68, I might've included some, but definitely not Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, Pittsburgh, I saved to the end sure. because I knew that that was definitely the giveaway. He played for nine teams. I think is what I, I learned uh, during our Damn. little break. So there's a lot of different ways to ask about it. In fact, I was going to make it a question on the Florida Panthers to geographically represent. But the fact is, he actually played for the Calgary Flames after he played for us down here in Florida. So I didn't realize he played for nine teams. That's nine teams. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. who's going to turn him down, though? Let's be honest. Exactly. But also, exactly. he's he, I mean, he's one of those players that is forever linked to the team that he won glory with you know i mean that, he, oh, he's jordan and the bulls he's yeah he's Elway a, he's a lifelong penguin yeah yes yes you know definitely uh montana, montana and the 49ers, and the 49ers. yeah you know yeah. wizard wizards legend michael jordan hey right, birmingham exactly. barons legend michael jordan there we go yes <laughs> yeah i mean like you said he played for nine teams but those three teams mentioned there are ones where i can just vividly visualize him in the sweater um especially right. new york and pittsburgh yeah, I wouldn't have remembered the Rangers' time in his uh, in his career, though. In all honesty, he's he's been a Penguin as far as I care to remember, and I'm using that term <laughs> "care" kind of literally. Right, Capitals fan here, so I hear you there. Uh, well, you got a cup. I guess you can be happy about that. Well, those are our questions. I suppose uh, we should throw it out to the listeners to find out which of those four questions they liked the best. Uh, listeners, if you want to vote on any of these four amazing questions, make sure you go to quadriviapodcast.com. There will be a poll up uh, ideally on the main page that will once this episode drops. Uh, just select the one you want and make sure it's mine. <laughs> Trust me, the behind the scenes rewards for those of us who win these keyword challenges are extant. <laughs> Uh, those were four very good questions. I'm, I'm really happy with the, the talent pool that we had on this one. Uh, Chuck, you got 10 more really good questions for us? Uh, I'd like to think so. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'll, so I'll introduce this round. Um, the inspiration behind this was that uh, the very first round of trivia I ever played, um, this is also where I learned about the Bader-Meinhof effect. Uh, the question where I got eliminated was... Wait, the Bader-Meinhof um, effect? Where have I heard that before? Yeah, right? right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but so Are you sure I was... it's not the Baden Meinhof effect? Because that's what I answered. Ow. <laughs> so that, uh, that, that, that's your Mandela effect coming in. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, but so what I, what happened was I was 20 years old. I was on a cruise ship and I was playing a trivia contest and I got eliminated on a question. Uh, the question was, what do you normally do with a chorizo? Eat it. Oh, and, God. What uh, did you say? Well, so like the, the, they gave us four choices and they were eat it, smoke it, drink it or wear it. And I was 20 years old. I had never had an alcoholic drink in my life uh, other than like a shitty beer. And I was like, that sounds like a cocktail. I'm going to say you drink it. That's reasonable. 
Yeah, uh, that's reasonable. And the very next day in the in the cafeteria at lunch, Spanish rice and chorizo was the main uh, main dish. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the trivia host I, was I, basically I, running hype man for the cafeteria, is what you're telling me. Yeah, right? basically. That's I have this terrible image in my head of somebody grinding up like mexican sausage and putting it in a margarita now and i can't get away from that visual why have you done this to me i think Chuck? i think we call that a bloody mary i mean we yeah, better I, not some people I, 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 i've made a bloody mary with a wagyu beef stick garnish i mean like yeah savory savory meat there's nothing wrong with that in a cocktail in my opinion i'm gonna i'm gonna not make myself one of those after this yeah i mean I what also, do i know about alcohol um i, I contend it must be called i contend it must be called a margarita though Oh, there Ooh, we go. Oh, God damn it. That's better. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's totally better. <laughs> All right. So uh, so this round, I'm going to give you 10, 10 items, and you have to tell me whether you would normally eat it, drink it, smoke it, or wear it. Excellent. Oh, shit. Right. We just spent like three minutes making fun of you for this, and now our upence is going to come. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, you, so you got this, this is gonna be multiple choice, so you guys can either play as a team or you guys can kind of play it individually. It's up to you guys, but... Okay. Um, Either way is fine. Yeah, I think we could actually break off and do this solo since it's just multiple choice. Sounds good to me. Okay. All right. Number one, shisha. That's S-H-I-S-H-A. I'm locked in. Me too. I'm going to throw a guess on this. Okay. Uh, right, and you since got? you guys seem to have thunder, I'll throw in my probably wrong guess. I think that you would wear it if I'm pressed to, to make a guess. All right. Uh, I I was also thinking that you would wear it. Uh, Shisha is what you smoke in a um, hookah. Uh, That is correct. You stick it in your hookah (laughs) and you smoke it. Oh, you can stick this in your hookah and smoke it. It felt too close (laughs) to hashish. I thought it was a red herring. All right. Uh, You're number two. Number two is kaftan. K-A-F-T-A-N. All right. I've got one on this, definitely. I locked in. All right, who wants to take the thunder on it? Because we were both, all three of us were very quick on that one, I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll go I'm, for, I'll, I'll I'm go sorry, for this but I think one. I, yeah, go ahead. Uh, caftan, this is when nobody can see me. This is what I wear around the house. Why would you wear <laughs> anything around the house if nobody can see you? I also agree yeah, that right. it's something you wear. Same, I'll third that. That is correct. Uh, caftan is an ankle-length robe worn in the Middle East. See, it was one of those things where I couldn't tell you what a caftan is, but I could tell you that you wear it. Yeah, I, mm. I had a mental image in my head, but it was amorphous. But I know for a fact I've talked with my girlfriend about clothes and fabrics a lot, and caftan has certainly come up. Caftan is kind of like a slimmer muumuu. I think that, I would have thought that it was it. like a fabric or, or a fabric design more than it was an actual garment by name. Huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. You're, uh, yeah, you guys did well on that one. Number three is Fugasi. That's F-O-U-G-A-S-S-E. Don't you enjoy those at like a punk show? <laughs> right. Ah, uh, ooh, this one's actually tough because I can't get the, the fucking punk act out of my head. Fugazi. I know, right? I, I've Ian, got guess. Ian, Mc, Ian McKay is uh, blocking me from getting this. All right, I'm gonna throw a guess in. I'm gonna lock in on something. I'm locked in. Yeah, me too. All right, my guess is All probably right. wrong, but I, th- I'm, I'm gonna throw out that you eat it. All right. Um, I said my- eat it too. Yeah, my guess is actually going to be that you smoke it because F-O-U is sort of also found in sfumato, the Italian term for a smoky character of color. Oh. So I'm going to go with smoke mm. it. All right. Um, well, a fugazi, I learned about this on the Great British Baking Show. It is a French bread similar to focaccia. 
Wow. Okay. Oh, all really? Right. Okay. By the way, the Great British Baking Show has maybe been the single best TV show for getting trivia answers that I've ever watched. Seriously? I didn't get it from that one. I didn't get that one. But man, like they, uh, yes, they get, you get tons of baking terms and stuff like that on that show. It's great. I will oh, yeah. see a great, a great British baking show and I will raise you a good eats. Mm. Uh, okay. Fair, fair. I I really need to catch up on that show. That was my favorite show back when it was, um back when it was actually being uh, made like, you know, on TV and not like online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Alton Brown went really, really weird on Twitter, and I don't know if he's still with us yeah, anymore. What the heck happened on that? <laughs> I saw that this week. What the like? All of a sudden, like what? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the hell he said, but he had some real weird food hot takes. He did. Yeah, some of them were like they were they were interesting in that they took what are commonly considered low rent foods, like literally pop tarts, ramen, that kind of stuff, and was talking about how they could be made well or how they were like totally underrated. I remember that being just an odd thread and it kind of reminded me of sort of delusional rants. People would go on, on spice, you know, synthetic weed. Mm-hmm. He, uh, I saw him live a couple of times. Uh, he told a story about how he served, um, how he served chicken fingers to, to his like daughter's birthday party or something like that. But it was actually mm-hmm. like literally chicken feet. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading through his Twitter account right now. And we have to take some of these just completely out of context because there's, no context in which they make sense. I have 17 cans of Duncan Hines frosting and I'm not afraid to use them. Back the hell yep. off. Two words, <laughs> ranch stings, uh, murder hornet fondue, uh, Swiss freaking meatballs for everyone. Grape nuts rock, especially with half and half and scotch. And my personal favorite, turn off the lights and run 23 Slim Jims through the juicer. Yes. Oh, my God. I remember that <laughs> oh, one. Oh, dear Lord. I remember that one. All number right, four. Uh, moving on. <laughs> moving on to number four. Uh, number four is Ushanka. U-S-H-A-N-K-A. Hmm. All right. I'm ready. I'm 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 ready. I'm, I'm throwing I'm a guess it. out, and it's a very meta guess. Yeah, I, I'll guess, too. All right. Let's hear it. I think okay. you wear it. I think it's like some ethnic hat. That's All right. my guess. That's a good guess. I like the hat thing. Um, I think you drink it. I feel like it's got Japanese etymology, so I think it could be like an offshoot of sake. Okay. I think you drink it as well, and I'll tell you why. Because we haven't had one you drink yet. <laughs> oh, you game theoryed it. Uh, I did randomize this beforehand. Oh! So, um, um, but I believe Tim is the only one who's four for four right now. It is Woo! the Russian furry hat with the ears. Well done, Oh, no Tim. kidding. Okay. Yep, I that's got, what Ushanka that, that is. That was... Pure luck, pure luck. Hey, you take what you get. Yeah, take the wins when you get them on a round like this. Yeah, exactly. All right, number five is Soju, S-O-J-U. Locked. Locked. Yeah, same. This one you drink. 100%. Yeah, I was pretty sure of that too. I I can't describe it either, but pretty sure. I believe it's sweet potato, like vodka or wine. It is a uh, Korean rice liquor. Uh, And yet you do in fact drink it. Yeah, I was thinking it was like a rice wine, but I couldn't think of exactly where it emanated from, if it was Japan or Korea. Mm-hmm. All right, number six. Y'all uh, y'all got that one nailed down very well. Parejos, P-A-R-E-J-O-S. Okay. Reasoning through it. 
And I'm um, saying that like I'm not just going to take a blind ass stab on it based on my gut. I'm locked. Got mine. I'm locked. I'm locked. All right. All right. Um, I think that you eat it. It sounds to me like a seafood. So I think you eat it. Ooh, okay. Maybe a soup. Okay. I was, maybe a soup. I was thinking that you smoked it. Jason I was thinking it, you, it feels you, like a Cuban you, cigar kind of thing. I was also right. thinking that you eat this. This sounds this sounds like a food. All right. Uh, Tim, that's your first miss. It is a cigar. Yeah. Ooh, good Nicely job, Jason. Done. Nicely done, Jason. Very nice. All right. Uh, number seven is Brigadiero. It's B-R-I-G-A-D-E-I-R-O. Got it. I, my etymology is is not helping me in this case because it's it's narrowing me down to two or three different things. Uh, I'm going to throw in what I think might be right and, and not be. I'm I'm going to... I've got a guess. I think that you drink it. I think it's like a cognac kind of a thing. Ooh, good call. Um, I don't know if it's right. I think you wear it. Feels like something it might be militaristic, uh, like some element mm. of a uniform. That's a good right. call, too. I, I said wear also. Okay. Uh, this is a Brazilian chocolate truffle. <laughs> okay. That's the first one that went dead, right? I think it is. Yeah, it's the first yeah. one no one got. Um, I actually made these for a New Year's party uh, the other year when um, we were trying to do uh, a food from every time zone. Oh, oh cool. Nice. Oh, that oh, is. How do you make them? How do, how, how do you make it? Like, what, what's, what's in them? Um, Brazil nuts, mostly. So it's, it's <laughs> oh, man. If I, let's see if I can remember it. Um, it's, I believe it's like evaporated milk. Like you make a paste out of like evaporated milk and chocolate and cocoa. And then you like, uh, and then it, some, you, it somehow congeals into like a, into like a, a, a ball basically. And then you top it with like sprinkles or with coffee or whatever. Mm. Sounds good. Um, that does sound good. Yeah. yeah. I would, I would, I would, I, mean, I would it's, eat it's like, it. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's like, it's like, uh, it, it has the consistency of like, if you've had like, um, if you've had like chocolate truffles before it's like yeah. the inside of a truffle without the outer shell okay wow yeah now i will argue this if i put it on my head i could wear it right you could <laughs> right you could uh this was actually the one that tripped up the most people i think most people said you wear it because it sounds like a hat mm-hmm. right actually well anything is a hat on if you're bored face. enough right <laughs> yeah you could wear on your face yeah uh, if you if you uh, if you hit it with a food processor, you could probably drink it. You know? Yeah, along yeah, with twenty three slim the lights, jeans, run twelve of them mm. through the juicer. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Number eight is Tej. T E J. Locked. Um, Unconfidently locked. All right. Yeah, I'm locked. Um, I'm pretty sure that this is a fermented beverage. Um, I think it's from Mongolia, and it's something you drink. Okay. See, now that you say that, I, I feel like you're super right, but I threw my hat in uh, that it might be some kind of hat because it sounds like Fez. Oh. Uh, I thought maybe that this was a variety of tobacco and you smoked it. Okay. Watch, uh, we drink it, and then we went over three on three different guesses. <laughs> uh, McKinney, McKinney said you drink it, didn't he? Yes. Oh, he did. Yes, um, he did. Yeah, yeah, okay, so, yeah, I'm well, done. It is, a, it is a drink. It is a Ethiopian honey wine. Ethiopia. Ooh, okay. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I've heard let of that me, before. Let, let me tell you. The yeah, best... but he said Mongolia. So... He did say Mongolia. He was yeah, way well. off. The best well done, cocktail I done. ever Nicely had done. in my life was at Epcot Center in the uh, the really? Ethiopian area. Uh, they have this, this cocktail that is uh, a particular type of like African rum and a not cola style cola soft drink kind of thing. It mm-hmm. was 
I, I wish I could put words on this uh, to describe like how you make it and what it's made from, but it was so effing good. And I think it was frozen too. Really? Oh, yeah, the, yeah. The food and wine festival down there is fantastic. Dude, if, if you go to Disney World and you're not getting drunk at Epcot, you're not at Disney <laughs> yeah. World. Oh my God. People people talk down about Epcot all the time. It's like one of my favorites. I love the multiculturalism and the food and drink is just unrivaled. That's what I've heard. Last time I was there was 1982. That's when it opened. 83. That's 82 when it opened. I was just after it opened. Wow. End of first grade, we piled in the back of our station wagon and my parents drove me and my sisters there. Yeah, we drove there from Iowa probably in 1990. I want to say it was 1991 or so. Disneyland was one of my my first stops in the U.S. as a U.S. resident. And then the next year we went to Disney World. Oh, cool. You haven't lived if you uh, haven't driven from Chicago down to Orlando in the rear-facing third-row backseat oh, yeah. of a wood-panel-covered <laughs> station wagon. Extra, extra points for the wood paneling on the side. Oh, it was... I got to see what everybody saw on the way back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I found it. It's it's at the African Trading Post in Epcot, and this has nothing to do with trivia and everything to do with you finding the best goddamn drink you've ever had in your life. It's called the Frozen right. Elephant, and it's made uh-huh. from, uh, it is frozen Coke, and it's Amarula cream liqueur. Ooh. Oh, my mother-in-law loves that. Oh, it was so good. I had yeah, my wife four of them. Yeah, my wife actually goes to uh, goes to Africa for work every, you know, every so often when there's not a global pandemic going on. Um, she actually works in public health. Um, mm, okay. And she always brings back multiple bottles of that. Uh, you are spoiled, my friend. I'm actually not, I'm not, I'm not the hugest fan of it, but like I said, my mother-in-law loves it. I, I mm. guess you could stay on the podcast for two more questions, but now I'm second guessing that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number nine hit us. All right. Number nine. Here we go. Number nine is Lahenga. L E H E N G A. All right. I'm locked in. I'm going to be right on one of these. All right. I'm locked in too. Uh, this is the, I'm, I'm doing the random number generator in my head <laughs> and I'm going to go with it. I'm ready. All right. All what right, did the RNG say? I said eat. Uh, just, I have no idea. Uh, um, it, it seems counterintuitive. I'll say eat. Yeah, I'm going to say smoke, but that's random number generator like Tim was talking about. Ah, uh, I'm going to say where because we haven't had one in a while. <laughs> All right. That's well, right. Uh, I'm SATing this round. <laughs> your, uh, your, your game theory worked out for you on this one. It is an Indian ankle length skirt. Oh, wow. nice. Not where I would well have put done. it in the world, well but done. yeah. Good job, All right. Jason. All right, your last one uh, is Satay, S-A-T-A-Y. Okay, I'm, I'm good on this one, yeah. Locked. I think this oh, is yeah. our feel-good come-home question. Yeah, yeah I think so, I like too. It. I like it. That is certainly something you eat. It's like a roast chicken with a peanut sauce on the skewer. Yeah. All right. Yep. yep. Uh, is I, it, I, I, is it Indian or Pakistani in origin? Am I getting I that right? I think it's Indonesian. Uh, I think it's right? Thai. I think it's Thai, Thai. Okay. Thai, Indonesian. Like, uh, so more Southeast than South Asian. Okay. Right. All right. Yeah, but it's definitely something you eat. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, you guys have this one nailed down very well. It is a Southeast Asian grilled meat on a stick. Mm, that's what I'm talking right, about. And that, that, and that so is my right uh, eat it, smoke it, drink it, or wear it round. I love yeah, it. Yeah, all right. It, Thank that, you. That, that, Chuck, that was great. Thanks, guys. It, yeah, so like this, so usually, uh, usually during my games, I have like, you know, the picture and the music round. This is like, usually my halftime is like a, one of these quick snappy, uh, you know, 
rando whatever format I feel like rounds. So this is one of those. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. I love the idea of for a New Year's party, just having food from every kind of time zone there. That's amazing. Yeah, that one. That one was uh, there was there was a time there was a time zone like out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. There was like there's basically nothing there. Um, <laughs> I think like Greenland might have been in that time zone, and then like a little tiny sliver of Brazil. So ooh, there uh, you go. We had a little technicality there. And nobody's got time to prepare like lye coated fermented fish and bury it in the backyard for a few months. So yeah, oh, God, exactly. you can't those are our only our alternative. <laughs> So I got to know now, because every time you say the, the name of this round, it's it's triggering something in the back of my skull that I need to address real quick. Chuck, uh, you just announced and you announced at the beginning of the episode that you are about to have a child. Uh, is this your mm -hmm. first? It is my first. Uh, hey, McKinney, congratulations, any Chucky. kids? No. Was that a no? It didn't quite. quite that was a no. <laughs> and how about that you, Tim? No. Uh, I've got two. I've got two boys, uh, the 17 and just turned 15. Ah, so it's just me with a young enough kid to know the weird-ass cartoon called Pinky Dinky Doo, which had a segment, a recurring segment called Eat It or Wear It. <laughs> and that's the only... Yeah, um, it's it's the weird thing that's going through my head every time you say eat it, drink it, smoke it, or wear it. Uh, I'm having weird, like, multicolor flashbacks. I wish I could show you guys a picture of this in podcast form, but it was a show that existed. <laughs> it's one way to describe it <laughs> yeah and i don't know how much more mileage we're going to get out of this round um we've been at this for a little bit are you guys good uh kind of wrapping it up for the evening yeah let's do it yeah, I definitely. Think it's been, yeah i think it's been great yeah i'm ready all right so with that said mckinney do you want to take a moment and tell everybody uh once again who you are and where they can find you yeah, absolutely. Jason, thank you very much for the lead-in. My name is uh, McKinney Sizemore. I'm at Gentleman Octopus Trivia. With my brother TJ, we run a weekly game every Monday at 9 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Uh, we do it on Facebook Live, but we're starting to expand into Twitch and into YouTube Live as well. You don't need anything to join in. We'll provide you with all the materials. It's a fun night. It's a challenging night, and you play against some game show greats in addition to just... Um, a bunch of fantastic people. So coming out and play every Monday, nine o'clock Eastern gentlemen, octopus trivia and events. Thank you. Good. Well done there. How about you, Tim? Where can people find you? Uh, right now they can find me every Thursday in uh, your favorite podcast app. Uh, me and my business partner, Cheyenne host and produce trivial warfare blitz, which is a uh, short fun trivia podcast uh in the oaks media group uh you can find me there new episodes again every thursday wonderful chuck guess what i'm gonna ask well uh you can find me at cu at trivia that's cyu underscore at underscore trivia on instagram um i host about once a month just uh just a small game uh but uh you know it's always fun and we do we we it's free to play but we do raise money for charity um and uh yeah thanks for having me jason this is a lot of fun this is a lot of fun for me too guys this is the first time uh, on quadrivia that we've had an episode that had like one regular panelist and three guests so thank you for for making this a fun experience for me sincerely uh as for me you can find me and the rest of the liquid courage content uh on twitch seven nights two days a week that's twitch.tv slash liquid underscore courage that's courage with a k and underscore with an underscore uh, and as for the show, if you want to get in touch with us, we are always looking for emails at quadriviapod at gmail.com. 
Tom. Please feel free to suggest uh, keyword challenges, topics for roundtable discussions, uh, any notes on previous episodes. Uh, we will read those on the air and we're thrilled to. Uh, if it's something more quick hit, you can follow us on Twitter and on Facebook at QuadriviaPod. Or if you just want to not vote for Corey in the keyword challenge, uh, make sure you don't do that at QuadriviaPodcast.com. So as I alluded to, this episode was one regular panelist, three guests. So Charles or Chuck, uh, Tim and McKinney, I'm going to put the onus on you. Give us an outro. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you very much. This was the Quadrivia podcast starring Jason Borsum of Liquid Courage. Jason, thank you very much for having us on tonight. It's been a blast. And, uh, you know, one of the great parts about 2020, if there is any good parts of it is that we've been able to just hang out with our friends and do all these kinds of things at the drop of a hat, really. I mean, instant connection. I love it. Thanks for having me on. McKinney, that was an amazing outro, uh, which is why, Tim, I'm going to ask you to give me a bad outro. Um, uh... Perfect. You did the job. <laughs> we'll see you guys. <laughs> Where do we go? So should uh, we? No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna make say something smart ass that I don't even remember what it was now. But that's the content we're here for, Tim. Bring it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm sorry, Jason. <laughs> no, you're it, on the spot, was, man. It, Come on. It's, Come on. It's, it's in my mind and out uh, that that quickly. I lost. I lost the moment. I don't have it. I, don't I, have, I it. have the same problem whenever I'm doing a trivia stream. Somebody because of like Twitch latency will respond. 10 seconds after I've said something to the direct thing I said, and I've mm -hmm. already forgotten not only what I said, but that I said anything that warranted a response. Right. <laughs> <laughs>